two, one. Got with me here, Nate. Would you want to take a minute and introduce yourself? What you've been up to? Hey, I'm Nate Shapiro. I was on the show about two years ago. Yeah, early guest. I talked about some uh, topics. Yeah. And um, the last two years have been a real adventure for me, let me tell you. What have you been up to? Well, a um, little, little ways after I was on that first episode, I uh, embarked on a journey to start studying Chinese medicine up in Portland. Cool. At the uh, Oregon College of Oriental Medicine, also known as OCOM. Nice. And I was uh, working on a master's of acupuncture degree there. Ooh, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> How'd it go? Well, uh, it was interesting and challenging. Yeah, I boo mostly because acupuncture is expensive. So even if it does work for you, you're like, oh, man, now the thing that heals me is worth tons of money. Good to have context. Yeah. No, I'm not just, like, booing your life choices. But I'm like, man, I went to it once way earlier. I'm like, the endorphins, I felt good for a day or two. I didn't do it, like, enough to probably, like, I wasn't probably, I was also young, so I wasn't honed in enough to my body. But I'm like, oh, it'd be fun to go back. I'm like, I don't think it's covered by insurance, and it's kind of expensive. Some insurance covers it, some doesn't. You can also go to community acupuncture. A lot of towns have community acupuncture that you can get pretty affordably. Also, if you live in an area that has an acupuncture school, you can usually get very affordable care at the student clinics. Nice. Very cool. The yeah. s- school in Portland that offers that. That's something I enjoyed here at OSU was, I mean, I went to the nurse's stuff and talked to them quite a bit. So I was like, oh, it's any help I want for free. It was such a joy. It was like... Was it immediate? It was immediate. Yeah. Oh. No wait. Like maybe 30 minute wait and you're oh. in. You talk to like a... It was like, oh man. Like That's why universities are so good. It's like a walking town. You're learning stuff, you're meeting new people, you get healthcare. It's like, no wonder everyone likes college, you know? <laughs> Duh. But anyways, how'd, how'd it go? Well, um, I had never been to grad school before. You know, I finished my bachelor's quite some time ago. And uh, I had, you know, really struggled to find my path for a long, long time. Um, and I thought this was going to be it. But it turns out it wasn't, but it was still... I think it, it. I was still meant to do it for the length of time that I did it. How long did you do it for? Two years? One year. One year. And then at the end, you're just like, nah, Westerners got it right. Well, <laughs> not exactly. <laughs> I mean, I, I appreciate the humor there. But uh, I, was, I was getting very, very close to the point where I'd be starting my second year in which I would be going into clinic and whatnot. And... Parts of it I found interesting, but the coursework, the academic coursework, I mean, even in an alternative educational setting like that, you're still going to have a lot of, a lot of, uh, you know, really difficult academic coursework to have to deal with. And you have to be on other people's deadlines to get it done. You can't work at your own pace. You're too free-spirited, so you became a musician. You'll play a song even at the end here. That is one of the many hats I wear, is is musician, yes. And the other one is... Uh, currently, I'm a freelance gardener. Sick. Nice. That's a joy. Do you see how many plants I had out front? I did. I, I really, uh, I, I was admiring them, yeah. Datura, lots of fun ones. Uh, one of those little spikeless blackberries. You don't really like blackberries. And then we got some plants. I mean, we have a little mini garden right there. Isn't that hilarious? <laughs> you just nice, nice. Eventually, nice. it's going to be like right here, here or something. Uh, this is all very temporary. You came in the midst of me rummaging everything around oh yeah uh but yeah so you're moving you moved from portland back to corvallis how was living in portland we visited there for one night two nights two nights nights. oh my lord it was chaos it was so it was i wouldn't want to leave my house past ever (laughs) yeah Uh past dark Mm -hmm. for sure when when was that two months one month ago 
so a uh, slight correction to the timeline. I left Portland. And you may want to look toward me or that way instead of toward her. Ignore her. Pretend like she doesn't exist. Oh, <laughs> I just like to regard both people. Nah, I'm harder. <laughs> yeah, she's she's not in here. Very now. well. Yeah, very well. Um, so I left Portland in the fall of 2020, and I moved to Port Towns in Washington, mm, where I lived for the next eight months. And um, there's actually, believe it or not, there's an acupuncture school in a town called Mount Vernon, Washington, which really isn't that far from Port Townsend. Yeah. Do you still get your mail shipped to those old places? Literally today, Kenzie and I were walking to the baker and we we're like, wait a second, because all our stuff is going to our old addresses. I'm like, what if you move around like every six months? Like, how hard is it to like, I mean, you, but those are in different states. So it's like, how do you get those to you? have them you, shipped to you? You can put in a form through like the U.S. Postal Services. <sighs> That's what she was saying. And change of the DMV. I'm like, that sounds like a fucking headache. It's not as hard as it sounds. I mean, it's a bit of like the whole, you know, bureau bureaucratic thing or going through a bureaucracy yeah. process. But once you get through it, it's taken care of. Cool. Well, maybe we'll do that. We'll have to. But anyways, um, so you're in Por- Portland, then Porch Townshend, which mm-hmm. is almost Portland up in Washington. <laughs> and you came all the way back to Corvallis. You like lapped yourself. Eh? I did. That was this past June that I came back to Corvallis. Nice. And just so people listening, we met, I was at school at OSU and you were working at a co-op there mm-hmm. and you were my cashier almost every single day. <laughs> and I'd always just come and get like a ginger beer, like a scone and just be like, what's happening, man? And then one day I'm like, you should come on my show. Cause I started the show right as I was about to leave. Right. And you came down as one of my earliest guests. That was right. That's right. So that's a blast. And we talked mostly about Asperger's, which is no longer in the DSM, correct? Uh, it's now under the label ASD, which is Autistic Spectrum Disorder. Mm. I dig it. That was a fun show. A lot of people, like, especially as the early shows, I was like one of the first dozen, two dozen. Mm-hmm. Everyone was like, that show is meaningful. But since then, I've like kind of veered away into more like conversationals rather than like interviews. But if you were to be interviewed about something like... Is there a specific part of your life that you're, like, the most happy about, the most excited about? Um, well... Playing live gigs? Uh, not... We're not... I'm not quite there yet, in part due to the pandemic, um, and in part due to needing to prioritize my garden business. Yeah. Garden uh, business? You're, like, your own... Like, your own, uh, the person who gets calls and everything? I'm self-employed. That's very cool. Do you have, like, one or two, like, really, like, main clients who are, like, wealthy, or do you have, like, a ton of people who just have you come do this and that? I have a handful, a small handful of regular clients. Nice. I wouldn't describe them as wealthy. I describe them as middle class. Yeah. So, like, day-to-day, you get up and you just go garden all day. That's a joy. I lo- Watering stuff, trimming stuff, that's literally a blast. Yeah, and don't forget the weeding part. Nah. <laughs> nah, I won't do that part. We got the weeding part. We got the, you know, the hauling dirt part, the uh, helping people get spaces that have gotten out of control refurbished. Yeah, that's something we have. I mean, maybe or you can actually look at it for us. We have, uh, so our downstairs neighbor is a botanist, and we want to plant. We got this stuff that's called, like, walk-on. Like, some of it's moss, some of it's, like, Croatian mint. I don't know if you've, like, planted this around. Or you, like, walk on it, and it spreads instead of grass. You don't have to mow. Right. Um, we have another one, and we want to plant it, and the downstairs neighbor is like, does that spread? Is it like invasive? I'm like, we have no idea. So if you know, after the show, as you leave, we should point it out and be like, yeah, would you say tell. this is good? I'll, I'll take a peek. Cool. And then we'll go back and knock on Oh, so people listening right before, uh, right as you came in, right uh, before we started the show, uh, the downstairs neighbor texted me. She's like, hey, can you specify to the guests where you're, they're supposed to go? Because we live in a duplex. We're at the upper half with our door on literally a side. So you pull up in a car and you're like, very incognito. That's the door, yeah. you know? So I'm like, we're going to put a sign outside or something, but yeah. we'll go back and knock on our door again and be like, hey, he brought back up this time. <laughs> we're going to plant that shit in the backyard. <laughs> but yeah, no, so do you have like a nice garden at your house or like? 
So I'm just other uh, people's. I'm uh, living with some family right now and um, helping them take care of their garden. Nice. We just moved out of our families for the first time. We're 24, 26. There's no shame in that. I think a lot of us have been in that boat. Man, is it not even a thing that, like, like, it's sad that currently in society you have to say, like, there's no shame about that. But, like, in reality, like, so much of the world prioritizes family as a positive thing that it's almost psychologically weird that we have to say, oh, there's no shame in living at your parents in your early 20s. I, mean, I, you know, I know what you're I get what, yeah, totally, 100%. It shouldn't have to be said, but it does right now. It's crazy. Yeah, especially if you go to the East Coast where I was actually born. Um, you're from Boston. Well, not exactly. <laughs> But they, Long they, Island. they have this really strong thing out there about kids at 18 or 19 moving out, out of mom and dad's. Yeah. And I've encountered some pretty strong judgment from some people I know from there about the fact that I didn't. Yeah. And I, I was know, like, fuck the East Coast. I like the West Coast. Yeah, fuck absolutely. you. I'm, I'm glad to be out here in Oregon. Absolutely. Don't think I ever want to go back there again. For the longest time, man, I would literally uh, just tell people, I'm like, if anything, we're just trying to like break the societal pressure to have people leave so early because it's like not only for all of human history would it be really weird for like a child and a parent of like monkeys all the way to humans to be like all right we're going to split up and we're not going to see each other <laughs> but then like you know it's like it's just so weird but then it's like right after world war ii there's di bill huge influx of cash and like soldiers moving home for like young 20s so then when they had kids they're like well i moved out at that age and there's still so much money in the in the right. economy but like if right. you look at the percentage of our generation's wealth compared to previous generations like silent generation generation x boomers wealth like by age by percent of the whole world's money mm -hmm. it's like we are fucking poor we are like our generation is like homeless people with like a couple really rich people and like how would we be expected to and the amount of skills you need like with we're the first generation to, like be entering the market with computers like kind of outclassing most other things so it's like hey you have to learn how to keep a home do taxes all the bureaucracy in life also computer stuff also it's like it's takes people are taking longer to gestate you know and i feel like mm -hmm. people who like want a decent job like you kind of have to get some form of oh, an education yeah. and that takes like another four years even longer yeah so yeah like i i not only do i think there's like no shame in it, but it's like fight those fuckers <laughs> who think who think and, that you know and like you said a lot of other cultures around the world yeah. they prioritize family they prioritize more it. i mean who, who fills up uh nursing homes here is it just a bunch of old white like women because the, their husbands die and then their families don't want to keep track of them because when they were in their early 20s and they needed the foothold, the parents were like, nah, go, go, I'm pushing you out of the nest or some shitty metaphor. It's like, what the fuck's going on we're here? Like, think of you when you were 18. Should you have been out on your own making decisions? It's like, you were half-baked at that point. Yeah, I mean, I think for a lot of people, they're not quite mature at that age and that certainly was the case for me you know especially being on the autism spectrum i didn't know what the hell i was doing when i graduated high school and i was all of a sudden expected to know mm -hmm. i was expected to know what i wanted to study in school i was expected to pick a college i didn't have any idea what i was doing then it's no wonder that i it took me three tries to find a college and i had a serious mental health breakdown in the middle of that what time happened? period what happened? By the way, you don't need to lean into it. The amount like of distance you're away is, looks gold. Like, cool. Just for the for the camp. Thanks the yeah. for the heads up. Because sometimes like people come in too close. You know, like we were watching a live show, and every time the singer would like go like that and just like hurt our ears. It's like live shows need to be really well tuned. But anyways, good, good to know. Thank you for the yeah, feedback. Absolutely gold. And anyone watching who's coming on the show in the future, <laughs> be chill. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> that, uh, they'll they'll know. But yeah, mental break. What happened? Mental health breakdown at age 20. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how much details I want to go into about that, but. Oh. Uh, I think it I think it was inevitable that it was going to happen. I mean, it was sometimes we unfortunately humans have to break and we have to fall apart in order to be put back together. 
And that's essentially what happened. Facebook quote. No, I'm kidding. It just sounds like, like, like one of those things you'd scroll across, you know? Well. I agree largely, but I would also push back in the sense that I think perpetuating the thing that, like, oh, you have to get hurt and broken and extreme, like, endure trauma, not a positive thing to, like, you know, I put out there. I completely agree with what you're saying, and I appreciate that you said that. Called you out on it. <laughs> well, I don't know if one thing is true or one thing isn't true. I mean, yeah. I, I don't think it's a good message to put out there to people that they have to break. But what I'm saying is that is what happened to me. Nice. And so <laughs> when you say you got put back together better, like what would be, I mean, you know, like Kintsuki or uh, what was the name for it? Um, uh, Wabi Sabi or whatever, where they put gold in the middle of like broken because with you were chi- studying Chinese medicine, they'd break glasses and uh, bowls and then put it together with gold seams. Uh-huh. Like that's the idea of being built back better. Uh-huh. Like what, did you have tools in your tool belt to like just deal with it? Or like, were you on a bad life path and you're built back better in terms of you realized you weren't heading the right direction? Um, I'm not quite sure how to answer that, but um, I wouldn't call it a bad life path. I would just say that I had had a lot of, you know, anxiety and struggled with, you know, obsessive compulsive disorder at a since a pretty early age and um being on the spectrum you can often have there's often a lot of things that go along with that like anxiety and um just had a lot of fear and that led to me having a mental health breakdown i mean if you carry that much fear sooner or later you know so you have less fear and anxiety now or like quite quite a bit nice happy freeman it's you know but it's taken me years to uh to learn how to not live in fear, essentially. Yeah, it's a massive thing to the point where like sometimes if I'm texting someone and they write back like a fear-based decision or like you should do this action out of fear, sometimes I'll just like literally just Google fear-based decision-making, click whatever the first article, like psychology today or whatever it is, and just text them a link to that. Just to like, it's called like the point and call of like when you have like actions you want to change and stuff or you want to build a habit, you point and call things. And I'm like, people should have their fear-based decision-making called out when it's like, I would say there's quite a few people who run quite a bit of their life based on running away from things, living in, in a fear-based reality where it's like, obviously it's not easy to shift, I, but I think bringing it to somebody's awareness can be a beneficial thing to do. Yeah. No one likes to feel called out. Yeah. Well, some people need to be called out. If we live in a world where no one ever got called out, you know, I think being called out would be an example of being breaking down and building back stronger. You broke down in the moment, like really like a micro breakdown. You're like, Oh, I'm hurt. My ego's hurt. You know, I didn't, I'm not this person. Sure, sure. And then you come back stronger, you're like, it's a genuine critique from another human being. Maybe fair. I should change, and then you don't do it. So yeah, that's fair. Maybe I'm conceding to your point that we do break down, but maybe maybe I'm just thinking hypothetically, like, not as big of a spectrum of it. Like, bipolar would be a massive uphill and a massive breakdown, massive build. Just, like, smaller, more gradual, you know? Because mm-hmm. those massive breakdowns, I mean, someone can kill themselves or make a irreversible decision like a tattoo or something that they regret you know well a tattoo would be the least of my concerns but um <laughs> until you have one that says like give me strength give me courage or something like that on your arm <laughs> that's what i can see <laughs> that's a direct call i mean yeah, just like when i'm yeah 18. <laughs> 18 like a lot of people get to like low points or in high you know they make decisions yeah t- t- wait a tattoo would be the least of your worries is that what you said mm-hmm. well, i don't know that's a pretty legitimate worry what was the neck tattoo man yeah, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, right? You know, I'm like, I, th- I think tattoos can be surprising. Because then you're also tying yourself, like, something that I got really into True. during COVID was, like, be a different person every minute of every day. Like, no, like, not only, like, a lot of society, human society up until now is, like, 
I'm living on dead people's rules through religion. Like, like those people aren't even alive anymore. I'm living what they tell me to live. And then recent, it's like people are breaking away from that. Like, okay, now I'm listening to my community. They're alive and they're telling me how to live. And then I'm like, the next stage of that seems like you're letting yourself tell you how to live. But then like the way that I'm like, man, how do you even take it one step further? Be like, don't even like judge how you're living in the I, moment. You I know? think between the larger community level, there's also the nuclear family. Because mm-hmm. I know for me, I had to really overcome a lot of the messages that mm-hmm. I got from my nuclear family growing up. Even not hearing society anymore, you still heard from your family. Right. So this yeah, is like the, this is like a, a closer circle than the slightly larger societal totally. circle. Totally. But I will say that, yeah. No, you absolutely should have thrown that in there. I, I, it's funny. I've been probably misphrasing or leaving out of one. Probably a lot of people's families like. Um, I grew up in per se, like, or at least like some people in my family were really positive and stuff like that. But I imagine if both of your parents and like your brother and your siblings are all on one side of like, don't be this, it'd be really hard. Even if you had one sibling or one parent or both parents, ideally and sibling. We've, we've got some strong wills so in our family. There. Yeah. We've got some uh, people who have uh, very strong opinions and seem to think that their opinions are right. Yeah, that's the most classic thing ever, right? All my opinions are right. I was, you know, I was pretty timid. I was pretty shy and timid as a young person. I didn't have a lot of self-confidence. Took me years to find that, actually. It also took me years to learn to stand up to my family and say, no, you're not telling me how I live my my fucking life. Wow. Night, how'd it go? I mean, is is talking (laughs) about family something you also want to avoid on the show? Uh, we're talking about it, bro. So I think, I think I'm good with it. I like it. Yeah. And uh, to answer your question, how did it go? Uh, it's a work in progress. Wow. Nice. So it's it's like a longer conversation. Well, no, it's just a process. Yeah. Cause I mean, it's not something, it's like patterns that have been happening for years upon years upon years. And then you're trying to undo those patterns. It's going to take some time. It's not going to, it's, it's not just going to be one boundary setting moment that changes it. You're going to have to do it again and again and again. And you're going to have to do it for you. Yeah. Not for anybody else. Mm -hmm. You're going to have to find the reason why you want to do it for you. And you're going to have to do it again and again and again. What was your reason? That's so fascinating. I mean, absolutely. How would you be like, okay, I'm gonna, and now look, it's a new relationship. We just have such pre-written patterns of what we're going to do in situations. Well, I recognize that the pattern wasn't, the, uh, you, like, you recognize the pattern isn't working, you know? It's, and it hasn't been working for years. And um, I realized that the advice I was getting from my parents, especially my mom, was just not, but somebody could say, well, why were you even asking your mom for advice, bro? Well, uh, the reason is I'm, it's hard, it's hard to explain the reason, but I think for most of human history, moms have given advice I, to their kids of, you know, I defer to my mom for a number. <laughs> I don't think that's that crazy of a thing. Okay. Well, thank you. For, yeah. Thank you for like, what? Uh, helping. To I help. went and asked my friend for advice. I went like your mom probably knows you better than your friend. She, she knows, she knows me pretty well. Um, she knows me pretty well. Yeah, I mean, your mom's with <laughs> you all exclusively for 10 years, half exclusively for the next 10. It's like. They know you decently well, and that's what you really want when you come to someone for advice. Like, I've done all the digging I can. From an outside perspective, <laughs> what would you do, you know? I hate when people just try to make you figure it out yourself, though. That's the worst, when they don't just give you an answer. I, you know, I just really struggled for a lot of years to know what my path was, to know what I wanted out of life. Um, so is the boundary you set based on the path that you're going in life, like career trajectory? Or I believe the last time you came on the show we talked about, I named it, like, spectrums and i don't remember what the other one was spectrums and guitar maybe but it was spectrums because the autism uh dis- uh disorder spectrum and also the gender spectrum correct um it wasn't gender it was sexual orientation sexual orientation cool nice and was it was that what they were fighting against are they like religious folk they're not religious folk 
they're not fighting against my identity as a bisexual man. Um, they just always think they know what's right for me. Classic. In different... So so we have the career area, mm-hmm. we have the social area, we have the r- intimate relationship area, we have some other areas, but um, they almost always think they're right in every single area of my life. Yeah. And, I mean, parents is a big one, but it's, like, a lot of societies, I'm realizing, like, people telling each other what to do is, like, hey, I can make and a better decision for you. Because I'm on the autism spectrum and it took me a lot longer to learn a lot of the life skills that a lot of us, some people might take for granted, some mm-hmm. people might not who aren't on the autism spectrum I my parents had this great fear growing up that I was going to fail because and I've screwed that's up that's helpful to have in mind I, I've screwed up I lost my job in Port Townsend that's why I came back here who doesn't screw up who doesn't who doesn't you know what that's not even a but thing th- that's how we learn yeah that's how we learn big and ups to that if you're a parent and you're always trying to keep your kid from falling down she or he is never going to learn yep. lessons about life like what you do and don't do you know i couldn't agree more it's funny that you, you deal with that mostly from your mom i and actually quite a few people i know all's moms like try to tell like make decisions like she does not I, she's supportive but she is like really like not a believer i don't even know how to phrase it correctly she's like why don't you go get a job where you're sitting for eight hours a day working for someone else and i'm like no i'm gonna like try these different things like you know write a book or screenplay or music or now podcast and like stuff like this and i'm like I have faith it'll work out. Like, it's just such a fear-based living, not only to, like, be like, I don't believe it'll work out. You need to live a safe plan, but also being, like, afraid of failure. It's like, you, you can fail quite late. I mean, um, Hayuki Murakami, like, one of the most famous writers in the world right now, wrote his first book at, like, 42. Yep. It's like, what? It's like, you could fail all the way till then, and it could yes. work out. Yes, there's absolutely. There's um, examples. A lot of people find their path later in life. Yeah. Do you have a hint at what yours is, like a sneaking suspicion? There are some different areas that I want to work in. I mean, healing people must have been it, or studying Chinese culture. Which what what, what drew you to that? I'm so curious. Um, I one of the things I did. I mean, I had a more recent health crisis that was around the time of you know 2017, 2018, mm. and one of the things I one of the one of the things I did to help myself heal from that was to um, do a lot of qigong. Nice. Energy work. Energy work. I like it. It's like basically they describe it as self-acupuncture because you're moving the energy in your own body through movement and breath and intention. Yeah. Um, I like, don't you like get all the energy out and then you get the new energy in and then you shake it up? uh, There's a lot of of different ways to practice. Yeah. And I've actually found that the best way that works for me is really letting it do it on its own. And not trying to be too controlling of it. Nice. That's just what works for me. So you me. don't do like specific forms. You just kind of free flow what your body wants to do at that time? Oh, I do. I do specific forms. I just don't. I find for me personally as a person with anxiety and OCD, I don't want to be getting into too much of the visualizations. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, that doesn't work. And I respect for others, it does. But um, I just like to do the form mm-hmm. and just be in the moment as my body is moving. Nice. And be as present as I can, and then just trust that the energy will move on its own. Yeah, flow state uh, advocate Nate here. I like it. I am a flow. St- yeah, thank. <laughs> I like the thank you. <laughs> That's the name of the show, flow state advocate. Hey, why don't why don't we call it that? It'd be a really positive I, thing. I, I, I like that. Yeah, no, uh, I got into. I mean, honestly, like I should stretch more. I should do qigong. Do you still have an active like? Do you miss a day or anything like that? Quite a few. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not, I, you know, I haven't been disciplined about it. There's mm-hmm. a lot of people, teachers, who would say, oh, well, you shouldn't do that, but. 
Yeah. But you know what, Tiger? I try to make my whole life a fucking flow state. Nice. I, I mean, like that's it. how I approach life, really. You know, I drew a card from this uh, one New Agey tarot deck called uh, Tarot of the Spirit. Cool. And it kept coming back to me. And not only this card, but this archetype that's represented by the card came to me in other forms. And in the Tarot of the Spirit, the archetype is Earth Father. And in the description... It said, uh, ASD, sexuality, and then you're going to go tr- study Chinese medicine <laughs> and return... Wait, you're like reading it? Oh, this is a trip. <laughs> and then it has one more line. It's like smudged out. <laughs> like, oh, <laughs> well, it, you know, it wasn't quite that specific. Yeah. But um, what it did say is it talked about the Earth Father. For one thing, he's in touch with uh, nature, so he understands timing and cycles and seasons. For another thing, he lives his whole life as a moving meditation. Mm. And that, to me, was really beautiful and really stood out because I'm a person who's always struggled with sitting meditation. Oh, yeah. And that's how much I do laying down meditation. And I, th- this, this goes out to all the people with mental health issues who have tried meditation and it hasn't worked for them. This message goes out to you. There's nothing wrong with you. It's okay. Don't let people who are strict about meditation tell you otherwise. I've never met that someone that strict about meditation. Oh, what? I have. Really? Oh, yeah. Who would be? Who would like? You're meditating wrong. There's no wrong answers. People just get very like militant. Yeah. Things where it's like Good everyone's point. different. You gotta just respect that. Yeah. I like what you said, Kenzie. Sometimes I'd fuck with people and be like, I just take Adderall to meditate faster as a joke, but then it kind of works. So then it became less of a joke and more of a reality, you know? Yeah, I just, uh, I think there's a lot, you know, Joseph Campbell, the mythology guy, he said, Hero's um, Journey. Hero's Journey guy. He said, uh, anything in life can be a meditation, you know? And it's, he's talking about like, and it's really, it's really about, all it is to me is just about being in the present moment. Yeah. Being present with what's ever going on, even if there are thoughts in my head, being present with those thoughts, being aware of my thoughts. You really live the stereotype of someone who lives on the West Coast, kind of hippie with his beliefs, gardener living in the moment. <laughs> like you really went all like, a, what is it, a better to be a, a warrior in a garden than a gardener in a war, but you're just kind of like at peace, tending literally to the part of the garden you can touch, which yeah. is your community. Yeah. Badass. I like it. Thanks, man. Yeah. I mean, so do you, did you mostly start your own gardening business or landscaping business? to because it was like you did it younger or like at a certain point you realized you really felt at peace like hanging out with plants you know there's a line in the song that i wrote called farmer dave and the line goes i could play the song if you want although it might be a little bit more involved than we want to get right now yeah let's just play one song at the end if you're cool with that if sure that's how i tend to do it because we're gonna move mics around so So i'll I'll, I'll quote you the 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 line then not the whole song yeah um i said um, about my early gar- farming experience in high school. Um, at the time, to me, it felt quite isolating, but now it brings me such great peace. Nice. So it took me a long time to, like, circle back to it, kind of, yeah. to really understand that I actually, oh, working with plants is actually very peaceful and nice, but I didn't didn't really experience that earlier on. I kind of hated it as a teenager. Because the loneliness of it. Yeah. Yeah. I had a lot of challenges, and I didn't really know how to reach out to people that age, and I felt very isolated working on organic farms when I was in high school. That was, like, the summer of my high school years, mm-hmm. was working on organic farms. And I was, like, out in this huge field weeding this giant-ass row mm-hmm. um, of plants, and it was taking forever, and my back was hurting, mm-hmm. and I was like, there's no other people my age around, because I reached out to this one farmer, because I didn't know where else to work. I didn't want to work at McDonald's. Yeah. This is in northern Minnesota, by the way. Oh, wow. Where I'm... You've literally lived all over, then. 
Kinda. I mean, I've never lived in the South or the Why South. Would you? Or I'm kidding. Love you, people in the South. <laughs> well, you know, a lot of my favorite music comes from the South. I will say, um, Hank Williams Jr., Waylon Jennings. Got into those guys recently. Um, a lot of parallel. Well, some parallels between my life and Hank Jr.'s life. Uh, I mean, my, unlike him, my parents. You're more of a Hank the Third vibe. I'm kidding. Isn't he way more punk? Uh, Hank three is more punk. Yeah, that's funny. Just like immediately, you're more of Hank three. Maybe <laughs> you're on way more of the country. Maybe on the outside. Yeah. Um, but so, anyways, you're working on an organic farm, and did you reach out to anywhere? You just like kind of ate those emotions, and they all bubbled up later into rage. Uh, the second, the second <laughs> one. <laughs> Definitely the second. Definitely the second one. I mean, there was this younger farmer dude who I was. I imagine you being angry. That's crazy. Oh, I've I've had a lot of anger throughout my life. Yeah. That I've had to learn to deal with. Wow, you seem like one of the more peaceful people I've ever met. You know, it can be. Um, appearances can be deceiving, and um, a lot of people who are very meek and shy. Well, I wouldn't say a lot. You just open up your shirt. There's like a gun strapped <laughs> to you right there. Whoa, you weren't kidding. <laughs> no, dude. I mean, you know, like. Uh, we all, we all, all humans have emotions. We all have emotions. Mm-hmm. And when you're on the spectrum, I think uh, those things can get suppressed for a while. Mm-hmm. Especially when you have an experience in an early age where you express anger and then get reprimanded for it. Mm-hmm. And then get strongly reprima- reprimanded for it. And then you're afraid to get angry. Wow. And so every time you have, like, say, an angry outburst after that, you feel shame immediately afterwards. Mm-hmm. And this is something I've had to work through recently is the shame that happens when I, when I would get angry. Even when I would just speak up for myself, I would feel badly. Yeah. And I had to really look at, well, why was that? Interesting. Yeah, shame is a fascinating thing. I, was, I don't remember who I was and, talking to. And I didn't fully understand why I would always feel ashamed whenever I got angry at somebody. Or even, I'm not even talking about like you screaming their head off. I just mean like a little thing that w- I felt like, oh God, did I just did something bad. Or I just crossed their boundaries unintentionally. And oh God, I'm a horrible person, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and I had to say, wait a minute. Wait a minute. What's going on here? Why yeah. is this happening? Yeah, being a... Uh kind of timid about social situations is really tough like especially if i ever take like too much edible weed or something and i rethink previous conversations i've had it's such a a rabbit hole because eventually like anyone could mishear or misread or misinterpret anything and always be offended by so many things so at a certain point it's like what are you just going to do not talk to people or not like if you constantly filter yourself it's hard to like be in the moment in a conversation like do jokes or like throw like i mean anytime you like try to make a quick joke even if it's at nobody's expense, maybe the, like it's a, like a joking about a dog sure. and someone had a dog I, abuse, you know. I have a perfect uh, story for that, and that actually segues into one of the things I was hoping to touch on a bit. Yeah. This actually happened at acupuncture school. Mm, cool. So we had a classmate make a joke in class about cigarette smoking, and 95% of the class thought it was funny. Yeah. But there was a small percentage that didn't, hmm. and the small percentage that didn't smoked, sp- sp- excuse me. Do you sp- remember the joke? Yeah, I can tell you. Yeah. So uh, I forget whatever teacher was lecturing about smoking, depleting spleen chi, and this is Chinese medical terms. Mm. Um, and then he said, depleting well... Depleting string cheese. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's, that's spleen chi. Yeah. Um, or and maybe... Someone oh, no, no, it was, like, it was... I fucking hate people who smoke cigarettes. They should die. Uh, you know... <laughs> Some it, people get really offended. I don't, I don't think you find too many of those types in school. Yeah. No, yeah, good point. So Although someone I made a joke about someone losing their spleen chi? Well, th- that wasn't the joke. The joke, so he said, well, I'd have a hard time getting addicted to cigarettes. And everybody laughed, yeah. except for these two people 
who spoke up and said, well, you know, a lot of people with trauma, childhood trauma, uh, use cigarettes as a coping mechanism. But this was over Zoom during the pandemic, and they spoke up about it loudly, and they said, we find this really offensive. And the instructor wasn't really sure how to address it because, honestly, the joke seemed pretty innocent Mm -hmm. because he was just saying, well, I'd have a hard time getting addicted to cigarettes. It doesn't even seem like a joke. It seems like a really bad example because it's like, bro, try nicotine for a while. Kenzie and I are like kind of coming off of jewels or different forms of nicotine. It is crazy addictive. Crazy addictive. Yeah. Oh, my Lord. You know? So it's like, I could see how someone would get addicted to that. But the people who got mad about it, like, they're, like, almost just justifying their coping mechanisms, which totally valid. There's some, like, you've been abused your whole life and then you become a heroin addict. I'm like, hard to tell you, like, no, you should just strap up and get over it. One of these people, not to be too conspiratorial, had a very extreme. So there are these two people. And, of course, I'm going to preserve confidentiality of every. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Good one, bro. (laughs) <laughs> so one of these people was wished a happy birthday by a person in the class. And I will just say that this person in question is uh, female and the person who wished her happy birthday was male. Um, he saw that it was her birthday on Populi, which is our um, online educational platform where cool. we all go to do our online coursework, kind of like Blackboard or whatever it is college undergrads use these days. Mm-hmm. Who cares? But go on. Yeah. yeah, Anyways, just sit on there. Um. Sorry, I'm a little rambling. Yeah, you're good. Is it like everyone does it? They get caught in rabbit holes, like telling a story. They're like, "What date was it exactly?" Or like, "Who was that exactly?" We'll we'll try to. It's a great story, but (laughs) everyone falls down rabbit holes. We'll we'll try to stay out of the rabbit holes, and I appreciate your help, Tiger. Yep. Uh. So anyway, uh. So so he sees it's her birthday and popular, and you know I think he kind of liked her, whatever. But he was always, I mean, he's a respectful guy. But so he's like, "Oh yeah, hey, happy birthday." And she freaks the fuck out and reports to the school that he was, like, crossing her boundaries. And get this, he had to switch out of that class section into a different one so that she could feel safe. Oh, my gosh. Wow. That's That's a little excessive. Three three months later, she realizes she overreacted and apologized to him for it. Oh, my God. She's like, oh, you know what? By the way, I kind of, I kind of overreacted, but it's yeah. like that was three months later. So Jesus, yeah, people get. It's almost encouraged for people to get really upset nowadays. It's funny. We we're just talking to someone about how like society encourages certain actions, like um, just certain like lifestyles, and then also certain like emotions. Like whoever's like the most outraged is point is the most valid now like that's almost like the thing that they're leveling it's like no whoever's the most outraged is probably less valid because they're not making really thought out Mm -hmm. claims Mm -hmm. you know and meanwhile this other person who took issue at the smoking joke and i had a very bad falling out um a little bit before the pandemic started not that it had anything to do with the pandemic but um i was uh trying to initiate friendship with her and um initiate friendship i'm trying to you she you said that in front of her i'm trying to initiate friendship <laughs> with you um she was yeah maybe <laughs> yeah you just like turn around this guy might be a robot <laughs> well that's how we spectrum folks talk sometimes what, yeah. what can i say so there's like lines of code friendly person initiate <laughs> Well, let's just say our circuits <laughs> didn't cross very well or the, the coding that was being sent through the yeah. whatever's wasn't lining up very well and uh, ended up having a pretty bad, uh, you know, falling out with this person mm-hmm. to the point where she sent me this really long email. Wow, let's read it on the... No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> saying you, all this stuff like, oh, you, you, you crossed my boundaries. You've been, Why is it with you, you, you've been, you've been pressuring me for connections since the fall. And you were staring in my window at night. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> all and, these actual boundary crosses. And stuff like, I, I, I don't, it was just like, at that point I realized there was nothing I could say. And Did so just not I, even write back, block him. Uh, no, I said I underst- I, I was actually afraid that I was going to get Title IX at the time, which is like the sexual harassment complaint thing. Oh, my God. Um, you know, so I was like on my best behavior because this is another thing I want to speak up about, which I'm sure will make me unpopular with some people. But I think that our society needs healing. But I think that in order to heal, women and men need to be able to see eye to eye. And we really have to get rid of this concept that men are the bad guys and that men are inherently evil because I don't see that this belief is going to get us anywhere in terms of true equality. Someone's been being red-pilled by Jordan Peterson. No, I'm kidding. Uh, is, is, have you heard of him? I've heard of him. It's I, a lot of the same talk. I, I agree 100%, but it's just funny to hear someone who I wouldn't have expected to, to preach that kind of thing about I, it. I, I'm not sure if I'm totally on board with Jordan Peterson necessarily. Oh, but just that aspect. I mean, like, I almost came up with a joke because I was going to do, like, stand-up for a little while before the pandemic that it's like, white, straight white males are the most persecuted people in history. <laughs> There's a researcher named Jackson Katz who did some research about that. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's, it's not to say that they're not, it's not, I'm not saying that they're persecuted per se. I'm just saying that they're not it's really complicated. This is really tricky and complicated to talk about, and a lot of people... It's yeah. triggering for a lot of people to talk about. A lot of people don't want to talk about it. Yeah. Uh, straight Just so it is said, that was bombastic. I was joking with that. Oh, no. I no. don't actually think they're the most persecuted. Uh, no, no, no. I, 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 <laughs> okay, I, 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 I get that. I get that. Yeah. I get that. But there was a researcher named Jackson Katz who mm-hmm. created a fil- who, who made a film up called The Tough Guys based on the research... Based on research that he did. He's a sociologist. And a filmmaker. And a filmmaker. And... Uh, that's K-A-T-Z, <laughs> yeah. by the way. And anyways, what, what was it about? Well, it's just about, it's you know, it's trying to deconstruct the certain behavior that a lot of men in our culture have adopted. Yeah, give me, like, the, the, what the essence of what you got from it. Like, pretty much because... Straight white males don't have... I'm trying to say this in a way that's accurate, that's not... Yeah catering to either the liberal no, or the conservative how it catered side. to you what you got out of it and like how you live different or what you well, think was like the most important takeaway you don't have to just cater to anyone. i've 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 been in a lot of situations where i feel like i'm the bad guy whether i'm a single man walking in a park where there happens to be kids or where i'm walking near a woman at night or even i cross the street because i'm like what or, if they like their, their heart rate increases or they're like what if they've been attacked before i'm like or even i don't want to be responsible even for not at night even that's like that though yeah right or even during the daytime and or it's because the news purports it so anytime it happens in the country you hear about it it's like it didn't happen in your community you're not used to hearing everything that goes wrong in the whole world so of course everyone's scared now back to fear-based living Sorry. Uh, just like like if if like in Portland, there's all these people being attacked oh. at night, and you hear yeah. it in Eugene, you're like, oh, I shouldn't go out at night. And then like you know, I'm like, you have to be aware that everyone's been so brainwashed into being afraid of each other and people. And then it's like, you know, sometimes I'll cross the street. Like if I walk at night, and there's like that's why I like walking with Kenzie. I'm like, you know. Or the other thing I do is I like start running up to him like, ha! <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> I just got this actually for safety because Kenzie and I walk around at night, and we're like, oh. Portland's sketchy, but here's not much better. So I got that for safety. It's a really small conceal. Mm -hmm. Obviously, hope to never use it. Just, like, scare people away. Worst case scenario. Yeah. But, yeah, so you're just saying that men are often... 
persecuted for what other white men do or I, other men do. I don't think persecuted is the right word. I think viewed is a better word. Mm-hmm. Um, viewed and stereotyped, perhaps. Yeah. Um, perceived. Um, I've just been in a lot of situations over the years and in recent years. I felt out of place at acupuncture school. It's predominantly female and it's predominantly white female. And it's predominantly middle middle class white female. And I would also say it's predominantly straight white female. And the people I had the hardest time dealing with at acupuncture school were straight white women. That's hilarious. Well, it's just the majority of them at that point. It's the numbers. I didn't feel comfortable touching them I, because we have to touch each other as part of what we learn mm. about the human body, yeah. an anatomy, palpation, learning the acupoints. I was like, uh, where are the other guys I can work with so I can feel comfortable working with somebody and learning this stuff? But I ultimately came to the conclusion that, you know what, I don't really want to be on this path anyway, so I'm out of here. Yeah. Bye. <laughs> Interesting. Like, yeah, it seems like it would just pair it up by sex or gender, however it works. I have never even thought about like going well, to middle school, school or what it's like to be in that situation. I think I'm like, yeah. The people I felt most comfortable with were people who just saw people as people. They lend, line people like, up by cleanliness. It's like <laughs> and they pair up next like, to them. So I'm that a, would be more. That'd be more in, like they yeah. do, they do the armpit smell and then they do the verbal look <laughs> Hi- and then they put you in a line and then you pair up to the person next Hi- to you. Hygiene. <laughs> hygiene. Yeah, by hygiene. <laughs> hygiene. Rather than um, rather than like gender or tight or whatever yeah. else you do. <laughs> I mean, and there was some... Wipe a finger, how sweaty. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, so... Uh, <laughs> anyway. I mean, I, I'm not... I don't... Like, I acknowledge that I have a lot of privilege as a white man. Like, I, I, I acknowledge it, and I don't pretend like I don't. Um, and I don't pretend like that hasn't given me opportunities that I'd ha- that have made it harder for other people. Um, and I don't feel like I'm being particularly... I, I mean, I don't... W- wouldn't really say that I'm particularly persecuted, but... Just thinking about the whole Louis C.K. thing, Mm -hmm. about how he was so derailed for some certain things that he did, which were inappropriate, as many people have concluded. Who hasn't done that, though? (laughs) They were... You just misread what it is. You just, like, he asked a woman out wrong and you just agree. So let's take this as an example. They were wrong. They were inappropriate. But comparing them to the level of what Bill Cosby did, Jeffrey Epstein did, oh, God, that was of like nightmarish proportions or this other guy the the olympics coach who was the the, you know the child molester guy yeah with the young larry nasser yeah like comparing him saying that if a man screws up he's automatically a pedophile a sex offender and a monster it's just like as as was said on the joe rogan show what yardstick are we using here people it's like because I screwed up because I'm on the spectrum and I have to learn shit by fucking up and being like, oh, you're not supposed to do that. You're yeah. not supposed to say this to this person in this situation. Yeah. I wasn't trying to make anybody uncomfortable. Yeah. It just happened. And I'm sorry. I'm trying to do better. Yeah. No, it's ridiculous to just have people be really unforgiving about social circumstance. Like everyone's like gotten themselves like into a tricky place conversationally where they like say a wrong joke or they say something when you think you're like, we're closer friends than we are. Or, like you say something and you're like, oh and you have to like walk it back and it's okay if the person brings it up in the moments like hey that made me feel like this and you're like oh shit i didn't realize this had happened to you or you perceived it like this or whatever but then it's it, it's the people who just hold on to it and they're like okay bye and then they like just like take actions behind your back about it to get you in trouble or whatever to tell everyone it's like what is and, going on and here? that's the worst and i experienced that's the worst uh, that's the worst and i experienced that at the job i lost in port townsend is that 
people didn't tell me to my face. Not even managers told me to my face what I was doing to make other people uncomfortable verbally, unintentionally. Yeah. And they, they but they took steps behind my back. The most classic and then, thing ever. And then like seven or eight months after I've been, I've been working for there for seven or eight months, and all of a sudden I'm sitting down with the HR person. And they just list off these and they, things. And they yeah. just list off all these things. And then uh, they're like interrogating me for an hour and a half <laughs> about all of these different things I said at different times to people. They said, well, did you say this? Did you say this? And I'm like, why the fuck didn't a manager talk to me about this sooner? After I one or two infractions. Like, yeah. yeah. Like, what the hell is going I on? I would have corrected my behavior had yeah. I known, had I been given formal, but that didn't happen. My conspiracy theory is companies probably keep a list of that stuff. And then whenever it's time for you to get a raise, they just bring it up and fire you unless you're okay working without a raise or something like that. It was a dysfunctional organization. Yeah. And not even just organizations. People do that too, where like something bugs someone and they don't just say it right off the like and they just sit on it it's like especially from an employer but also from like partners or friends it's like as soon as you start like an action especially repeated actions happen twice you need to tell them immediately you cannot get mad for someone continuing to do an action that you didn't let them know is like over a line or you don't like or whatever it's like you're asking for it by not telling them Mm -hmm. what's going on man people are not good at communicating Uh, yeah i agreed i mean it was kind of um you know, I think when you're on the spectrum, it's especially hard to uh, read between the lines sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like, you really need that clear communication. I mean, you can learn to, like, read body language and whatnot, but sometimes people are hard to read, especially when they're wearing a COVID mask. Or over Zoom. Do you find it pretty easy or harder over Zoom? It's it's more difficult. It's it's, it's slightly more difficult it's over just Zoom. It's weird. It's just, it's funny. I just got into a Twitter beef with someone over them saying it's like, oh, it's that's the greatest... Um, uh, invention or like recent like exponential growth in transportation is the need not to transport to just communicate mm-hmm. without transporting mm-hmm. to each other mm-hmm. I'm like well the phone already did that but like I'm like that is not what you get from like commuting and meeting someone in person a million times different from okay we logged on and saw each yeah. other and it's like a small face I see your background there's three other people there's a delay it's like you're not looking at someone I think humans were so hardwired to need to be around other people yeah. that promoting that's like, nah, you don't need that. It's like, that's not I, a good direction to. I would in. have to agree with you, though. I will say there are people who are able to live in isolation and not and remain uh, remain sane. Totally. Um, well, is that our bar? Is that our yardstick is remaining sane? Well, be able to. <laughs> that li- sounds like a low bar. Be, well, OK, so be <laughs> yeah. emotional. How about this? Be emotionally and psychologically healthy. Nice. OK, that's way different than remaining sane. I remember reading a story during the pandemic about this guy who had lived as a hermit in the mountains of Colorado for many, many years measuring snow levels. And that was just, just that was his home, you know? That was what he did with his life, and he was happy. Interesting. Sounds like it'd take like five minutes a day to measure snow levels. But anyway, uh, getting back to some of the experiences I had at the school in the social realm, um, when I had this falling out with this one person, it was uh, very challenging for me. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm sure it was challenging for her, too, but it was also challenging for me. And I, I felt like I had to be really careful about what I said or did to, uh, for fear of being misperceived and perceived further by the community as a bad guy. Yeah. And so I sort of withdrew at that point, and um, I wrote a song about it. Or I wrote a song based on the experience and based on other related experiences. Yeah. I believe you played a song the first time you came on the show. Correct. Um, right at the end, and we'll have you do it again this time. Correct. Um, how many songs have you written in the in the whole, like, what's your discography? Well, it's funny, Tiger, because I've written all these songs, but I haven't really put anything out officially other than a few random 
recordings on uh, SoundCloud. Classic musician. The best musicians I know still don't have anything out. I mean, we watched a 50-person live concert outside by a band from Louisiana, and we go to Spotify and Apple Music, they don't have anything up. It's like people don't well, do it for some reason. I, it's, not, it's not a question of do or don't want to do. It's a question of I think I haven't been psychologically ready. Mm. I haven't had the time. I haven't had the resources. I haven't had the opportunity. Um, recording is something that really, uh, I find it very overwhelming to try to record myself. I'm not a, um, technology guy. Mm -hmm. I'm really more of an old school country folk singer type of guy. Mm -hmm. Um, I just like to, uh, do things acoustically cause they're easier to deal with. Yeah. But I appreciate technology and my goal is to find a skilled, uh, person to record me and it doesn't have to be you because i know that you do that we did record the song yeah not anymore just because of the layout like these are like pretty much locked onto the desk now i'm like but locked in i'm i'm ideally looking for somebody who can be my personal recording engineer nice and can help me record an ep or two um somebody who will go to the music department while you're in uh in your corvallis work. i was gonna say while you're in osu I'll check it out. Right? It seems like there's be tons of people in the mixing thing. And ideally know? somebody who's also trying to get their feet on the ground as a recording as as everyone. As a recording engineer. Yeah. Because I'm trying to get my feet on the ground as a singer-songwriter and obviously I can't af well I can't afford to hire somebody super professional. I just want somebody who's going to get the job done. That's nice. all I want. Yeah. I mean and and going to do it decently, honestly and we'll have a good uh professional relationship I gotta with each tell other you here, you're asking for the world here when you're looking to hire someone that's what i've noticed like just being in different places where like uh you know places are remodeled when you move into them or like companies and seeing different employees i'm like oh finding someone to hire or like that's kind but, of like a mutual thing mm -hmm. it is so hard to find trustworthy like well like smart people you enjoy being around people who you think have a common goal like it's almost it's harder to find one of those people than it is a life partner you know like well Yes, but they are out there, and it is possible to find them, yeah. especially if you work on yourself to make yourself the person you'd want to hire, too. Mm -hmm. uh, because especially in this situation, it's more of like a, a mutual agreeing to work with each other thing. Yeah. At least that's how I'm looking at it. I don't look at it like, oh, I w this person is going to work for me. It's more just like, I want to work together with this person. That's to even worse. <laughs> then you don't have like the final. So like, if you're paying someone, then you could at least be like, We'll just get this project done, then we can move oh. on to the next. But if you're working with someone and they're like, no, I want to have electronic drums in your no, album. No, no, I'm definitely going to pay them. It's not yeah. a question of or not, paying not them. not paying, but like if you're working with them and you give them a legitimate say and you want Hank too, and they're <laughs> like, yeah, okay, but like electronic drums sound really good, or like just a little synth, you would have to tell them like, no. So at that point, they're kind of working for you. Okay, Tiger, okay. Yeah, right? Well, like, just because, I mean, like, you know that I did it, so I'm like, why I don't do it anymore is because I understand how like working with musicians is and I would always put myself in the place of like whatever they want because sure. they, you know a lot of people don't want it well, but they have such I'm, a vivid vision I'm, I'm open to input I mean I have a certain level of vision but I'm open to input especially from somebody who's also trying to create what I'm trying to create which is an authentic country folk sound dope folk said to hear it at the end folk, I mean we're something like 45 minutes in folks, so like folk slash uh, traditional country music. Cool. Yeah, that's kind of a, a very worthwhile uh, uh, way of phrasing it. Because if you say country music, you're like, nice, it'll be the exact same bass and drums as every other country <laughs> song out there. Well, currently. you know, a lot of people don't realize that country music really changed uh, around the year 2000. 
Now that's a bit of an approximation, but there's a young man by the name of Tyler Mahan Co., son of David Allen Co., who uh, has a podcast called Cocaine and Rhinestones, mm -hmm. which is all about pre-2000s country music. Yeah. So it's like country, we're going back to like, you know, Hank Williams back in the 30s and 40s, 50s. I don't know if he was active in, he was definitely active in the 40s and 50s. And then we have, you know, Dolly Parton, we've got uh, Merle Haggard, we've got uh, Hank Williams Jr. Those are more like the 60s, the 70s. Don't forget Billy Ray Cyrus. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> 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 the biggest country <laughs> star ever. <laughs> oh. But he did impact it. Like, people like him and Kid Rock, unfortunately, probably impacted country to the way it is today. And then we have 90s country, which is interesting because it was, like, sort of the precursor to what we have on the radio now. It was, like, country was heading in more of a pop direction. Mm -hmm. But it hadn't quite gotten there yet, at least as not as far as what we hear today on the radio. Mm -hmm. um, so you have people like Alan Jackson, Travis Tritt, um, Brooks and Dunn. And I'll be honest, I like I like 90s country. Yeah. I mean, it's not my favorite thing to listen to, but I like it. Yeah. I really like Steve Earle. Um, he does a lot of stuff that's pretty folky, too. Yeah. It's hard um, to beat your favorite thing to listen to, because Baby Shark on repeat is hard to beat. <laughs> 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 or 30 Rock for Kenzie and I. I mean, fuck, we don't even watch it at this point. We just literally throw on a TV show, and we almost just have like a TV show as background for our house at this point. Well, surprisingly comforting nice. and you can like tune into it and then you can like, I mean, we're probably learning really well how to tune out of outside noise by doing it. Sometimes you got to do that. Sometimes you got to, you got to tune out sometimes. Yeah. Just going to say that to all you, uh, all you closed minded Buddhists out there. Sometimes you got to tune out. Yeah. You got to numb out a little bit. I mean, without a doubt, there are times in your life, especially like when it's really like when you're picking berries or whatever you're doing on that large row when it's like your back kind of hurts, it's hot out. Like the t the thing not to do is like, let me really focus on how my body feels because you're not going to change it in that moment. Be like, I quit this job and blah, blah, blah. It's like, OK, we'll finish the day and then tune back into your body and be like, sure. oh, this is hurting me. There, there's a time and a place for everything. I mean, there's a certain level of awareness to focus at different times. Yeah. It's such a weird thing because. Sometimes I don't feel like I have that good of a grasp on viewing how focused into my body and my current situation I am. Like, I always thought that's like, oh, what is anxiety and depression and stuff like that good for? And episode 70, some, 74 or something, a professor came on. He's like, well, those are really useful because they like make you reflect and realize that your life isn't like why you're feeling that way. And then you can make life changes. But it's like sometimes if you like kind of numb out too much, you go too far down that rabbit hole right. where it's hard to like, oh, now I have a mortgage of kids. Well, now it's harder for me to pull back and realize, yeah. you know, so like sometimes numbing out or shaving off depression yeah. or anxiety for too long can just allow oh. you to go really far down. Then when you yeah. tune in next, you're like, fuck, you just look up at like a 200 oh, yeah. foot hole. No, I think I totally understand what you're saying. I just think that sometimes when a person who is struggling with their mental health is reading spiritual and woke stuff about always being aware of your feelings and never tuning out not necessarily a good thing to do yeah you just know? like everything take it with a grain of salt you gotta you gotta balance things mm -hmm. and you gotta you gotta honor yourself and sometimes honoring yourself means not trying to be perfect yeah in somebody else's viewpoint in anybody else's viewpoint. So who are like these new age people that are like this strict? I mean, Kenzie agreed that she's met some strict meditators, but I'm like everyone who I've met, I'm like, I'm not like on Reddit's meditation subreddit and being like, oh, these subreddit, well, these comments are getting to you me. You know, I'm a like, couple, a couple years, a couple years ago when I was going through my more recent health and also slight mental health crisis, um, 
you know, I was reading Pema Chodron and other people, and one of the things that Pema Chodron said, well, meditation is a discipline, and you have to be disciplined about it to, to see results or something. And I just remember thinking, wow, so this isn't working for me, but maybe if I keep beating myself up about it, maybe sooner or later it will. Okay. Yeah. And it didn't work at all, I assume. You know, I found this one guy named John Bruna, and I have to say I liked him better than the other ones I had found because he does something called, well, he does something called shamatha meditation. Um, he had some very simple body scan. Um, there's actually a guy in Corvallis who teaches his stuff. Um, I forget the name of it, but it was more down to earth than the other teachers I had encountered in the past. Mm -hmm. He was more personable. He was more approachable. He had less of an intense vibe about him. Yeah, some meditation people have a really intense vibe. <laughs> he was he was more, you know, I really appreciated that guy. And one of the things that he signed off all his emails with us to us, to the group was, I love you and there's nothing you can do about it. Nice. That's a good way of doing <laughs> that. And he gets kicked out of acupuncture school for crossing a boundary. You know, some people would have a problem. You know, some <laughs> You're people not allowing me to not love you. Some people would have a problem loved. with that statement, but when I read that, it just touched my heart because it was like he loves. It's it's a sign of or it's a a message of unconditional love. Yeah, and that that spoke to me. Good thing to say. Probably not to someone on a first date, but a good thing <laughs> to say. <laughs> like first date, you like leave them. And it's like your email sign off. My email sign off is typically infinite bliss. Just like. You know, just just goodness, gradient states of bliss and rather than... Another thing about this guy that I appreciated, he's, he just gives of himself to others. I mean, he he shares something that has helped him, namely this approach to meditation mm -hmm. taught by John Bruna. Yeah. I have to say, I, I, I appreciate John Bruna. I appreciate his writing and what he teaches. Um, he's He really... John Bruna himself, and we're not, we're not talking about the guy in Corvallis, but John Bruna's pretty down-to-earth I want to say he's pretty not intense I mean he is intense internally mm -hmm. but he's not necessarily intense in what he's friendly and charismatic yes yeah those are the people I prefer I don't like being around like I don't especially like paying for a service from someone who I'm like I don't want to be more like you like if people who take life seriously anyone who takes life seriously needs to grow up it's insane when people are like are like no this is serious stuff we're talking about sitting down and closing your eyes here this is serious business yeah <laughs> like what grow up what are you talking yeah. about it's fun it should be an enlightening i mean more like more sure. the ram Dass style or whatever yeah you, yeah yeah um so we're getting to that time do you have a specific song in mind or like what I you do. Gonna do yeah all yeah. right grab it i'll move the mics over So this is the song that I uh, mentioned earlier that I wrote um, at that time during the, uh, you know, falling out period with that person. And I just had nothing else to do but write a song about it. Cause, would, it like, uh, would it make you uncomfortable if your, your, your left hand was higher? People like seeing like the frets and the strum. You know what? I can probably angle this camera down. Look at this. Holy shit. That's possible? Mm. Oh my god. People are in live time. Seeing it be moved. All right, you're good to go. <laughs> and uh, do we? Does this want to be? Is this where it wants yeah, to be? Yeah. Golden. 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 Golden girls. You're looking good. <laughs> Little joke there. All right, give it a go. It's called narcissists and empaths. I hear a lot of people talking these days about narcissists. They're talking a lot about gaslighting too They're pointing fingers, assigning blame 
wanting other people to feel bad and ashamed saying it's all due to toxic masculinity but when they turn around they take a whole lot from me they take up so much space I can't even breathe don't you know it's cold and unkind to leave someone with a hurt and worried mind all I really wanted was a friend anyway and don't you know I didn't sign up to be your own free of charge personal talk therapy <laughs> You keep talking about narcissists and empaths. Narcissists and empaths. Yeah, sing along if you want. Nar or hum along if you want. <laughs> narcissists and empaths. You keep talking about narcissists and empaths. Telling all of your problems to a regular guy. Leaves me feeling pretty high and dry I don't really know what to say I'm gonna have to just walk away Save this conversation for another day Until we can both put aside Narcissists and empaths Narcissists and empaths Narcissists and empaths You keep talking about Narcissists and empaths Narcissists and empaths Narcissists and empaths You keep talking about Narcissists and empaths Well, sometimes I wonder if you might see It could be you as much as it could be me We all might be guilty of being narcissists and empaths Fun, man. I like the, uh, like the switch-up of tempo at the end. You gotta do that. Make it interesting. Throw that, throw that sucker over to Kenzie. That was a lot of fun. It was almost, uh, what's his name? Not... He has the, the, the song Honey Bears, or I Love You Honey Bear. Not Father John Misty. Father John Misty. Have you heard that guy? I've heard a little bit. Similar like lyrical flow in terms of like really complicated message and words that fits into a really like mm -hmm. good singing pattern and stuff, which I enjoy. I mean, great artist. I'll have to check him out some more. Yeah, or you should fun. send me some of his songs. I mean, songs. That's, Kenzie and I call each other Honey Bears because like, we liked the song that much. So it's like <laughs> definitely a high praise to sing of someone to be like, you're like this crazy famous rich musician. <laughs> you know, obviously almost anyone's a, a compliment at that point. But I really liked it, man. Thanks. That was a, a joy to hear. I'm glad you got to, to play that. Do you have anything you want to promote to people? Uh, well, I'd like to say that one of the reasons I like the country genre so much is a lot of the artists I got into, like, you know, Merle Haggard and Hank Jr., and also um, Loretta Lynn. We're all heroin addicts. Uh, not <laughs> That's exactly. not the reason. <laughs> there might have been a little bit of cocaine usage here and there, but um, uh, they they really use the they really use the um, the platform, or I mean, they use the medium as a platform for saying what was on their minds. Nice. Pretty yeah. unabashed. Pretty pretty unabashedly too, and that was what appealed to 
appealed to me so much about it is they're just saying it, you know? Yeah. They're not pulling any punches. And when you're on the spectrum and life has been a fucking confusing maze of trying to decode people's body language, people playing mind games, saying one thing but they mean another, when somebody just Double speak. when somebody just comes right out and fucking says what's on their mind, it is so fucking refreshing. Nice. And that's why I fell in love with it. Very fun. That was a joy to hear, man. I appreciate it everything that was that was an absolute wonderful experience do you have any like place you can send people for your music or follow you on twitter or whatnot? oh boy uh we're we're working on that right now but uh it Fun. should be up and running by the end of the year cool. and i will certainly keep people posted um rocking uh yeah <laughs> <laughs> follow, follow him on twitter he's uh hank the fourth <laughs> no, i'm kidding just make up random Twitter uh, names for people who don't have Twitters. You know, someday I could be the someday I could be the honorary, the honorary Nate the Fourth. <laughs> Nate, well, I want to get one of those straps, those leather straps. You know, that just says Nate down the side, like nice. like the Merle or like the uh, Hank or whatever. Actually, Nate. Ha- Hank said Bocephus because Bocephus is his nickname. Cool. I love it. I love it. Take care. Thank you very much. Uh, we're out of here. Thanks, bro. Yeah.